everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And we are back from our long winter's nap. Last time you saw us, we were talking about Spider-Man, the glorious, glorious Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm still riding that high. Oh my god. Yeah, I saw it a second time and it was nice to see it without a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was like People weren't yelling, and so you could, like, actually hear what characters were saying during those scenes. Oh, such a good movie. Such a, such a good movie. And I've been, like, rewatching all of, like, the Spider-Man movies. I still have the last amazing Spider-Man to rewatch. Ooh. The rhinos in that one. Yeah, the rhino. <laughs> um, but I started a new teaching job, and, like, on our first day... It's just kind of like getting to know each other. One of the questions I asked um, the kids was like, who was their favorite superhero? And pretty much like overwhelmingly, it was Spider-Man. Ooh. Yeah. And then I had a couple of kids battle it out. You know, like who's the best Spider-Man? A lot of them, their favorite is Tom Holland, which I think makes sense for their generation. Mm -hmm. I did hear some Andrew Garfields, though. (gasps) Wow. I did. Have any of those seen the Toby ones? Some of them. Some of them. Um, I did think it was funny though, because like one of one of the kids, like his argument for why Tom Holland's are better is because he has a better girlfriend. Oh, they like Zendaya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess he just likes Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. I mean, I I see that. But yeah, and then they all found out that I like Tom Holland, so now they just remember that I like Tom Holland. <laughs> so that's fine. I mean, Andrew Garfield. I couldn't really tell them why Andrew Garfield is so great, because they're too young for that. But Andrew <laughs> Garfield's pretty great. <laughs> um, but we have returned because phase one of the High Republic is coming to a close. We are currently in wave three. We still have a couple of comics and then the YA book that'll be coming out in February. But as far as the junior novel and the adult novel series, those have now come to a close. Just kind of weird to think about. Like, I know we're going to keep getting more High Republic, but like, we've kind of, we've gotten one whole chapter. Yeah, and we're not returning to this story in a while. Yeah, that's kind of what they we've been hearing. So they said 150 years in the past. Yeah. But is it in the past of High Republic or is yeah. it in the past of... I think it's 150 years after Phase 1. I don't understand. Yeah. I just have so many Well, questions. Yoda will still be there. Yeah, but I don't care about Yoda. <laughs> I know, no, I know. And I feel the same way as you do. They just spent, like, a whole year, year and a half, like, getting us so attached to these characters that they wrote, and now we're just going to forget all of them for a while. Well, and I just feel like there's so much story to tell, because, like, I've been thinking about this, like, in terms of, like, the actual movies, you know, because we have the originals and they jump back and they do the prequels, but, like, mm-hmm. the originals have, like, an end. Like, this doesn't feel like an end. Yeah, it, like... I see what you mean, because Return of the Jedi at the time was the end. Right. Like, that was, like, the finale, and it wraps up really nicely, even though there's this, like, tragedy to it with Vader dying, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but that's, like, that's Luke's personal tragedy, losing his dad, and it's not really anyone else's tragedy. So for every single other person in the universe, 
it's a happy ending. Right. And this is just, like, not a happy ending for anyone. For anyone. It's, like, very much more um, Revenge of the Sith ending. It's so bizarre to me that we're going to go back 150 years and only have a couple of the same characters. Like, and those characters are all going to be, like, a, a race of alien or whatever that has a longer life cycle. It would have made sense for me to see, like, our master Jedi's as children instead. Yeah, and, like, I, like, Vernestra is my favorite character, so it's, like, I want to know where her story is going, and obviously she's not even going to be a thought for those, and, like, like you said, like, our master Jedi, like, I'd rather see them more, like, how did they get to where they are. It is such a weird decision to me that they're going back so far back. Yeah. We it could be it could be like something other than like what we're thinking. Like yeah, it, it could I, be I like I hope they deal smaller. with like Sith. Oh, smaller? You think it's smaller? Like maybe like it's 150 years but like they're just referencing like a specific thing, like not like the whole phase maybe. Oh, like you think that it'll catch up? Fa- it'll it'll move through that time faster. Like just like wave one might be 150 years, but then wave two, you know, kind of jumps back and we see like some more build up. Because like I could see it like laying some groundwork, laying some like background stuff. But if you're gonna do that, you might as well also cover like other things that happened in the past. But like I obviously have no idea. But that's kind of my thoughts. I'm very confused, but I'm excited to see what they do. Because obviously, there's a reason they're doing it this way. Yeah. Well, and we got some new authors announced that are going to be joining the team as Mm -hmm. well. Who who are all of our new authors joining the team? Lydia Kang, Tessa Gradin, Zareda Cordova, and George Mann. And we looked up, um, obviously. Lydia know, and Tessa, yeah. Yeah, obviously we know Zareda, but we looked up um, Lydia and Tessa, and their books that they've written, I'm looking. Are you I'm gonna, looking. Do you think you're going to put them on your uh, to-read list? Oh, yeah. To work yourself up through this? Yeah, they, they're pretty exciting. And one of them is co-writing the next YA book with Justina, I remember. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. I, I am looking forward to that. I think it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the table. And just judging from some of their past backgrounds, it seems, you know, paranormal, romance, horror. I'm interested. Seems kind of dark sidey. I like, I hope there's like Sith involvement in this phase. That would be really good. I feel like we got to see it a little bit, you know, like we haven't really, we've talked about the dark side a bit. Like, with the mm-hmm. dread gear. So, I, I'd really be interesting to see that to come come out more. Yeah, I almost feel like, you know, with the Acolyte coming down the line, and the Acolyte is pi- part of the High Republic, but it's going to be, like, at the tail end of the High Republic. We almost need some history on where, like, you know, the dark side is in, in this time. Mm-hmm. I think to set up for the Acolyte. So, I think that'll be that'll be good. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, before we move fully into The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray, which is mostly what this episode is going to be about, um, I did want to mention Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland. So, thing is, 
That book did get pushed back. I think it's coming out in March now. People who had pre-ordered it, like the ebook, got it. No, you can get it. I can get I can get the ebook now. Oh, okay. I think you can just buy it. Yeah, you're right. March first. So it was yeah. only the the ebook. So I guess like manufacturing is like behind. So printing is behind, and that's why they released the ebook. Yeah. So you can still get this book. Like, I listen to it on Audible. It's like five hours. You know, these books are pretty short. So you can get a hold of it. And I would recommend getting a hold of it because it's really good. I really like it. It's, you get to, like, return and see Avon and Honesty from A Test of Courage. It really feels like Vernestra had, like, a three-book series, which was great. Um, And it actually takes place before the events of The Fallen Star, And there's one puzzle piece in there that I do think is good to know going into the Fallen Star. I don't think it meant as much as I thought it was going to mean, but if you can get a hold of it, I think I would recommend reading it before the Fallen Star. We also just got The Eye of the Storm, which is the comic all about Marky Mark. A limited series that is out by Charles Soule. Okay, but, like, the second issue cover that they released... is pretty good. I mean, the first issue cover is pretty good. No, it is. Like, so the first issue cover is really angsty, okay? Like, just the colors and everything, and, like, it's just dramatic. And, like, the second issue cover is just, like, Marky Mark just being, like, hot. Yeah. I Like, honestly, Charles Soule, like, he wants you to know one thing about Marky Mark, and that's that he's hot. And you know what? I respect that. I respect it. I think Claudia said that in um, Fallen Star also. Oh, Claudia really said that. She was like, this is my character now. I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, I read it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we're getting to learn a lot more about what you know, race of alien he is, where his people came from, his rise to power. It's really interesting. I I really recommend checking it out. We're also getting Trail of Shadows, which is Daniel Jose Older. And these ones are so fun because they're investigating, like, what happened to Lord and Great Storm at the end of um Yeah, which is very, very important for the Fallen Star. Yeah. They're kind of... So, going into the Fallen Star, I, I did wonder because... They talk about that so much in the comics, like what exactly mm-hmm. this thing is. So I have been wondering like how it hits. Well, I haven't I haven't read Trail of Shadows and I, I didn't have an issue following the Fallen Fallen Star. Okay, that's good. Because like I think there's enough um in The Rising Storm. Mm-hmm. The end of the Rising Storm. There's there's stuff there and there's also is it in Light of the Jedi that they there's a bit about it, too. I think it was all in the Rising Storm, like, where yeah. he goes and, like, gets it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so it was in Rising Storm also. So, like, all the context I have for it is the Rising Storm, and I didn't have any issues Okay, with that that's the good. Because there's an arc about it in the actual, like, higher public comics, because, um... And they actually mention it, like, the, um, the twins, like, Tarek and Sarah. Um, fall the victim twins. to it. Yeah, <laughs> the twins. Um, and Keeve Trennis falls victim to it, and Keeve actually survives it. She's, like, at the time, was the only known survivor of it. Um, oh. Which 
makes me wonder even more because, you know, like, everything with, like, Indira and Stella. Well, I was gonna say, like, how much before this does Trail of Shadows take place? Because it's like no one on Starlight has any idea what they're dealing with. Do, like, the Jedis not communicate? Well, because, like, Stellan is, like, working with them. So I, I'm wondering, like, when Trail of Shadows ends, like, if they'll have figured it out, but then, like, Fallen Star is happening. So, like, it's just unable to get to oh, them or something. Because yeah. um, it kind of seems like if you are not on Starlight Beacon, like, you're not going to be able to get information and, like, help the people of Starlight Beacon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the last thing before we get into the Fallen Star is that we have gotten chapters one, two, and three of the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Tell me about it. How's it going? It's good. I, like, I mean, it, I have a lot of questions and even some concerns, but it's only three chapters in, so I kind of want to reserve some of my judgment until when it's done or when certain storylines get wrapped up, um... But Tamara Morrison, a he's gem. so good. He's, he's doing so, so good. good. He is so good. And his interviews, I like. I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews with him and Migna, but their energy in interviews is chaos. Oh my god! Like chaos. <laughs> They're so funny. Oh my god! Like there is one I saw where Tamara almost gave up. A spoiler, and Migna is just like talking over him to like stop it. Aww, they're That's so, so funny. They're so funny. I'm definitely like when I saw the first episode, I was like, I don't know, and then I saw the second episode, and I'm like, okay, I'm I get it. This this is getting really good, and then I really did like the third episode a lot. There are I have some concerns with the third episode, but character wise, for like Boba Fett. I'm actually, like, really into I, it. I I love what they're doing with him. Like, they're really reinventing the character. But not... So, when I say reinvent, I mean, like, they are giving him meat and they are giving him a personality that he never had. Yes. So, all of these people who are complaining that this is not the Boba Fett that they grew up with... You guys, like, Boba Fett never had a personality. Yeah, Boba Fett like, was they're, never they're a person. They're just giving him a personality that you weren't expecting. Yes. And I think you can look to the comics, and he is a little bit different from the comics, but this, at the same time, like, he was literally reborn when he survived the Sarlacc. Like, visually, that is yeah. what's happening. And that's what we're seeing for this show. He's such a softie. Yeah, like, I'm so glad that's the direction that they decided to go, because I didn't really want to watch a show just where, like, Boba Fett's, like, super badass. Like, I wanted to see some conflict, and I'm really glad they're giving it to us. Or people saying that they wanted this show to be brutal, like The Punisher. Yeah, gritty. Guys, you know? it's on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> what were you, like, how, how did you have your expectations at The Punisher? It's on Disney+. Plus. I don't know, but yeah, no, Book of Boba Fett, like, he's a big softie, he's a Rancor dad. Aw, the the baby Rancor is so cute. The way he adopts, like, every stray that he comes across, like... 
It's like, is, no, you're not bad. You're just misunderstood. Let me let me take care of you. It's like, you could just work for me. You don't have any money. It's okay. I'll give you a job. <laughs> meanwhile. I'll be your sugar. I'll be your sugar daddy. Well, like, meanwhile, Finnick is like, you want me to kill that guy for you? I really am excited to see more from, like, her character. I, I kind of think she's going to betray him and, like, make a go for the throne. I think she's going to. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, intrigue. I'm excited. I don't know, like, I kind of think that she has a soft spot for him. Even though, like, like I'm not even saying that, like, romantically. I think there's just, like, she has a little soft spot for him. Well, I mean, he did save her. Mm-hmm. Like, he saved her first, and now he's kind of saving everybody. So, I mean, I could see that. I could see that. She just really wants to kill some people. Like, you know, and I get that. So I think with that, we are ready to cover The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. So like always, we'll start with some spoiler-free. Did this book meet your expectations? No. No, me either. I think... I was so hyped for Claudia to be writing this adult novel, and I had a lot of expectations going into it, and I don't necessarily think that's why I'm disappointed, because I think that... I think it could have been that, and it should have been that. I don't think this is a case of my expectations being too high, is what I think you're trying to get at, and what I agree with, is that it just doesn't hit. And there's good things in here, and we'll get into those things. But overall, I just feel kind of disappointed. Um, This was supposed to be, like, the big finale of the phase. And it just kind of didn't hit that way. If you kept everything that is in this book the way that it is, but you added like a hundred pages, and in that hundred pages you added more character yeah. moments. I I have a specific, like very specific want for this book in those extra pages. Yes. Um, and I I won't say them yet before we get into spoilers. Um, but yeah. I like there is a big missing hole in this book. And it yes. is a character that is missing. And it's a character that we all thought this book was going to really focus on. Yeah. <laughs> and just didn't. One of my fears with this book, and I kind of talked about it um, in like my spoiler-free review, which hasn't come out yet by the time that this episode comes out, but I I do feel like it leans on all of the other higher public media a lot. So like, I wonder if like you're not reading everything, like you're just reading the adult novels if it's going to hit even less. Because, like, this book Mm -hmm. really leaned on, like, out of the shadows. Oh, yeah, you're right. I was going to say, you know what, it's probably fine, but you're right about out of the shadows. It leans on out of the shadows hard. Well, like, this is the first time that, like, Nan has been in an adult novel. Chansey wasn't even in it until out of the shadows, which I thought was kind of surprising. I thought there was going to be a little bit more with her. Um, She wasn't used the way that I thought she was going to be used. Um, There's a lot going on in the comics. Like, I... Here's the thing about this book, is that it's kind of... Two things are happening, but we only see one thing happening. And I think the other thing happening is probably only going to be in the comics, which is upsetting. Like, I'm kind of disappointed about that. Yeah. Out of the books, I guess let's say, like, with the adult novels, I would still put... Rising Storm the highest. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I would I would still put Light of the Jedi the lowest just because this one was easier to read. Yeah, I was going to say the my gripe with Light of the Jedi is that it's confusing. I remember being very confused reading that book. 
mm-hmm. because there are so many new characters and they threw them all at you really quickly. And they also threw extra characters at you that immediately died. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a lot. So at least this one, I knew who every character was. There were um, there was like one or two new characters, but they didn't get um, like POVs. No, well, and other like, than there's like a few, but like they not served, like before. Well, those new characters that were added served um, other characters that we knew, like their plots. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if this book had come. Or, like, the way that this book is written, if it had come before The Rising Storm, I think I would have been a little bit worried about The Higher Public just because, like, the perspectives change so often. Like, even within the chapter, it'll switch, like, multiple times, whereas it didn't really do that as much with The Rising Storm. But, like you said, like, with this one, we already knew the characters. So, like, even though I think it broke the tension switching so much at least, like, I could settle back in easier because, like, I'm like, oh, okay, like, now we're back with Elzar. Or, like, oh, okay, now we're back with mm-hmm. Affie. Like, I, I know what's what they're doing. I know what they're about. I also, um, another non-spoiler thought is that I think that this book needed to lean into a certain genre more because it would, like, dip its foot in and then be like, nah like dip its foot into the genre and be like no like it was a little wishy-washy in that in that way and I wish that it just would have you know went all in well I think in that way it reminded me a lot of Into the Dark because Into the Dark is very similar like there's similar things that are happening but at the same time like it would feel kind of like it wasn't fully going for it and I think that's kind of what happened here and so I don't know if that's just, like, a Claudia thing, like, she hasn't really found her ground yet, or if it's just that these books are having to do so much. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I hope it's not a Claudia thing, but I just, at this point, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think, like, overall, I would still recommend this book, but Mm -hmm. as a finale, it just feels like the story isn't finished like I feel like I'm really waiting for that YA book I'm really waiting for the comic run to finish I feel like once the comics finishes it'll actually feel like a a proper conclusion which is upsetting like it it shouldn't be like that for the for like the adult novel of the series um but like I would still recommend it like I I still think I'd recommend it I really do I I do recommend it um I think there's a lot of important things that happen in this book yeah I think so, like, we have a friend who, like, hated it. Mm-hmm. Like, hated, hated, hated it. Which is, like, I think valid because... Very valid. There's... So, I mean, people die. You know, I, I think that that's not necessarily a spoiler to say that, like, you know, some people are going to die. Like, this is a big moment. It's kind... It's... We had a really dark middle chapter. It feels like we're in another dark it's like middle chapter. It's, like, very akin to, like, Kingdom of Ash. Like, we went into this book knowing that people were going to die like we did with Kingdom of Ash. Yeah. Yeah, Kingdom of Ash had, like, one guaranteed survival. <laughs> and, like, that's what this book was like. So, moving into spoilers? Yeah. Okay. So, moving into spoilers, if you haven't read this book, there's going to be some pretty intense spoilers in this episode, so... You have been warned. Um, very quickly, can you kind of tell me what 
happens in the fallen star like what what is this book telling us this book is telling us that martian roe has decided to make a very tactical attack on starlight beacon and he wants to wreak havoc slowly um he wants to see people really be tested and fall to their demise in a very dramatic way. Yeah, it was very dramatic. <laughs> like, I mean, he could have just, you know, exploded the whole station in one go and had it done with, but he was like, no, no. I'm a dramatic bitch. I'm going to do it this way. I mean, he sends basically like a suicide team on the Starlight Beacon to just like very subtly break things. Yeah. Like, he, like, sends, like, people, like, okay, so you're going to sabotage the comms, but you're going to do it in a way that they're not technically broken, but they're just emitting blank. So it's, like, they can't be fixed. Well, and it's, like, anybody who's just, like, oh, I haven't heard from Starlight, let me, like, check in on their, like, you know, station or whatever, it's going to seem like everything's fine. Yeah. Because it's not that the comms are just, like, gone, it's not like they're, you know an emergency whatever like it just it's like it's transmitting as if everything is fine Mm -hmm. and they mess with it so that they have like a problem with the life pods they can't launch they have all these refugees on starlight they can't launch their ships are broken yeah one of the things that really got me is that the station literally splits in half like it just rips itself in half like Okay, but, like, I was under the impression when it ripped in half that the med bay was in the top half. Yeah, I, I thought, like, Belle's perspective okay, was going to so be you on ag- the top half. you agree with me? Like, I didn't, I didn't like, mi- like mistake something because I really understood that I was, like, did Ember just die? Like, when, the f- when that section was gone. Yeah, no, I thought that when, so, Belle and Buryaga, and, like, we're going to kind of go through this character by character, but when they were on, like, the med station and, like, things were going to break, or, like, even before things were going to break, I'm like, oh, they're trapped in the top section. Yeah. Because that was the thing. If you were at the bottom, you couldn't get to the top. And if you were at the top, you couldn't get to the bottom. Like, even before it broke mm-hmm. apart. So I'm like, okay, they're in the top. That's how we're going to get, like, Avar and Maru and, like, all these other Jedi that are at, at the top. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I was really confused. Like, I was texting you... I was texting other friends, like, saying, like, I'm, like, really worried about Ember. Yeah. Like, I was, like, I'm, like, I'm done with, I'm done with Star Wars publishing if they kill off the dog. Like, this is not funny. Like, no. I'm, but then Ember just ended up being yeah. on the bottom side, and I was, like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think what ends up happening is, like, I think the medical tower is just that. Like, it's a tower, and it's, like, not Separate. attached to, like, the meat of Starlight. Like, it's attached to, like, the bottom, I guess. Yeah. I guess when you say tower, you think high. And then I'm yeah. thinking the top half. And that's why we all got confused. Yeah. It was so weird. But, no, Ember is our fleet foot. Guaranteed survival. She's fine. Thank God. <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, that's happening. But while that's happening, they also snuck in the the leveler. I guess. Yeah, and then I was also confused about that because I thought that, you know, um, so there was one ship that had documented that they had Rath Tars on it. Mm-hmm. 
And from that, I kind of got the feeling that they didn't actually have Raftars on the ship. I was like, they don't actually have Raftars. That's the cover for the leveler. Right. But then there were also Raftars. Well, because there were two. They kept saying that there were like two ships with Raftars and they're like, what the heck? But like the way (laughs) Claudia kept going into the storage and being like, oh, there's like the cargo bay. And it's like, oh, there's two ships with Raftars. Like, that's so weird. Like, yeah, of course it's weird. Why don't you go check? (laughs) And of course the first ship they check is the one with the actual Raftar. Yeah. So the leveler is actually, like, alive. Well, here's the thing. We don't actually know what it is or what it looks like. It's like a smoke cloud. Yeah. Because it it warps your perception. Mm -hmm. Everybody sees it as something different. So we don't really know what it is. Messes with your brain. Yeah. Well, and it, it, like, cut our Jedi off from the Force, basically. I kind of, um, my impression was it's almost like a Dementor where it sucks the Force out of you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how I understood it. I agree with that. And those um, Jedi who got away from it in time potentially permanently lost some of their ability of the Force or would be able to regain it back after time. Because we kind of see that at the end. Like, Bell talks about, like, as he gets away from it, like, he kind of feels more in tune with the Force. So it's, like, as you're in the proximity. Because we see, like, with Stellan, who's, like, really effective. You know, like, he can't feel anything. He's just, like, in this pain. It's, like, the closer you are to it, all you feel is just fear and pain. And you've lost this connection to the Force, which is, like, a limb for these Jedi. To the point where, like, you just can't do anything. Like, I almost feel like they could have just let these things loose on the ship. And they probably would have just destroyed themselves, honestly. Yeah. Because everybody who goes after them, too, never comes back. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the one thing that I was talking about, the genre of the book. Where it feels, in certain aspects of the level, are very thriller- Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll cut POV and then just feel um, very, like, action-adventure. Yeah. I I wish it leaned more into, like, those horror thrillers. Yeah. Because I liked those sections Me a too. lot. I like them the most. I feel like it would cut away too soon. Like, the tension was really building and then it would cut away and then the it would come back. never... The tension would only build up a tiny amount. And yeah. then cut back, so then you would lose all that tension that was built yeah. up. Yeah, honestly, I don't think there was ever a moment where, like, you finally got to, like, when the tension breaks and you get, like, that big payoff. Mm-hmm. I, I never feel like we got that. Which is why, and we'll talk about this, I believe that a certain character is alive. Because okay. the, the tension never broke. We never saw anything happen. And so if they really are dead, then it's like, what the heck? Like, there was no yeah. build-up. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. There is another character like that. Um, that which you is, do think is dead. Well, Orla obviously is dead. Yeah. I was going to talk about Orla. Orla is obviously dead because they find her body. I am very upset that Claudia killed Orla. I really liked her. But mm. I get it. There's some other characters. Yaga and Belle are just two little orphans. Just two poor little orphans. <laughs> well, because, yeah, because, like, Buryaga's, um actual master, I can't remember her name, she dies. 
Mm-hmm. And then, like, finding the leveler. Indira, who's on the cover, and so is Orla. Orla's on the cover, too. Um, Indira is just, like, in a coma. And she stays in the coma for, like, the whole book. Like, that's Belle's new master. Yeah. So she ends up being okay. I really thought she was going to wake up at the end and, like, say something. Yeah. But she never does. Which was another thing that was kind of, like, left hanging. I'm like, okay. We're already kind of talking about, like, the leveler and, like, all that. But, like, where do you want to start specifically? Like, we have everybody kind of, like, labeled out. Who would you like? To, we kind of, I think we already kind of talked about Orla and Indira. Um, we'll probably talk about Orla a little bit more when we get to Elzar. But like, who do you want to? Where do you want to start? I think let's start with Elzar because I feel like the book starts with Elzar. Mm-hmm. Um. So Elzar comes back from his retreat. He's been away, improving himself. Um. And trying to make sense of his dark side tendencies. Can I just say that whole beginning section with Elzar, is this not all what we wanted if like of like a Raylo post-trust? Yeah. Oh, We've yeah. read this fic. <laughs> yes. We've read this fic. We have read this fic. Like he's on a place that's very similar to Octo. I mean, he has Orla with him, but yeah. he's thinking but I mean, about like, Avar. We've we've read the fic where in that situation it's like Ray and Ben there together. Alone yeah. together. I mean, he's thinking about Avar all the time. I love the conversations he has with like trying to reconcile his dark side tendencies. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a Jedi think about it like that. And I just kept thinking like how much this would mean. Usually it's something, especially in the prequel generation, it's like you have to hide it. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about it. And, like, Elzar tells Selen, like, these Jedi are aware that he is going through something. Mm-hmm. And they're very supportive. And they're not, you know, shying away from him and being like, no, you're bad. Yeah. Well, and, like, he was allowed to, like, go away and think on it and work with it instead of just trying to like suppress it even more like Anakin was always told like just don't don't be dark just don't don't do it and (laughs) it's like oh well I can't help it it's like well I don't (laughs) yeah and like starting the book off like this where he is really self-reflecting and he really Elzar really feels like he's come a long way since the rising storm in that sense I really started convincing myself that I was going to be right about him not falling to the dark side and another character falling to the dark side. I was convinced, I, too. Yeah. I, like, off the bat. Yeah. Um, I, and I that did already, not happen. <laughs> I think Elzar is not going to, like, become a dark sider. I do think he's going to leave the Order yeah. Um, especially just knowing the order that we see in the prequels. I don't see how he could be a part of that. Like, his his ideas wouldn't fit into that. Like a wayfinder, you mean? Or a wayseeker? I, I think he's going to become a wayfinder, yeah. I, I think that's... Uh, especially that since he spent all that time with Orla. Like, that makes a lot yeah. of sense to me. I love this line where he's... Because he thinks about Avar all the time. Not enough, though. That's I know. criticism. I think that... Um, there wasn't actually enough with that. The problem with me is that 
we get it from Elzar, but we never get it from Avar because that's, Avar, that's Avar only the has biggest like two issue scenes. with this book. That is like my biggest criticism of the book. Yeah, um, but he does say perhaps one reason he had found it so difficult to accept his own darkness as a part of life, no more, no less. Uh, came from his ability to believe that any darkness had ever found its way into Avar's soul, which is so pure. But I think if anybody's going to go to the dark side, it's Avar. Yeah, well, we said that in our predictions. I, yeah. I fully believe that Avar is going to go dark. I think Elzar puts her on a pedestal and kind of doesn't I think realize does. that she is human also. I, I think, well, and, like, that's our problem with, like, we haven't gotten to see Avar's perspective of these things. Because she's I in the comics, like, a lot. I do not understand. Like, they have decided that she is the comics. They have decided that Avar is the comics and she can't be anything else. And I don't understand why. She needs to be in the books because we need to see more introspective, like, more introspection yeah. of her. Because this arc she's going on in the comics, because... That's where she's at at the beginning of this book. She leaves Starlight Beacon to go pursue Lorna D. And she does this because she feels sidelined on Starlight. She feels like she's not doing enough. Nobody's letting her do enough. She, Well, she's convinced that Lorna is the eye. She knows that she can take her on. And so she just decides, like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to go and do that. And we get a little bit in this book. It, it kind of sounds like, she found her, but, you know, it wasn't what she was expecting because she's not actually the eye. Um, so she fails. She comes back and she's failed. And her and Stellan are so at odds because Stellan is wanting her to be this thing and she can't be yeah. this thing and she's being sidelined. Like, there's well, this Stellan frustration. Stellan steals her job. Yeah, like, Stellan, Stellan completely is like, came in and took her job. Yeah, Stellan was just like, well, you left. So that was irresponsible of you, so I took it. Yeah, like, she's... I can see her just hitting a breaking point, especially with what happens at the end of this book. I I feel like she has hit her limit. Yeah. And I'm going to be so upset if we only see that in the comics. Like, we should see that in the books. She should be a main character in a book. I wonder if the reason why she didn't get any time in this book is that they're Claudia, for some reason, was trying to build up this mystery if Avar made it, if Avar was alive this whole book. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is there was no payoff in the fact that she was alive at the end of the book. Like, it, there was no... I, not for one second, really worried about Avar. I never no. really considered that she was a goner. And it made no sense. It... I needed that tension. I needed to see her thoughts, like her point of view when Stellan took her job. What was happening when she was on the top of the station with her crew? What was she thinking? What was she thinking about Elzar? Was she worrying about him? Because yes, at the end of the book, you find out that, you know, she was thinking about Elzar, hoping that he was okay. But like, where was that? Where was that angst in the middle of the book? I think that, because like where they're at in the comics, like she's about to go off and and find Lorna D. I think uh, seeing that in the comics makes perfect sense to me. But in the book, when she comes back and she's like trying to tell Stellan, like, you know, we found her, but like blah, blah, blah. And like something went wrong. And, you know, she's like trying to explain it. This book should have been primarily two perspectives or three perspectives, really, because there's three of them. We should have had Avar at the top of the station, everything happening up there. 
And then we should have had Stellan and Elzar at the bottom and everything happening with them. And mm-hmm. I don't know why we get literally nothing from the top half of the station. Like, yeah. we find out at the end that they were able to escape, like, most of them, but, like, mm-hmm. some of them still died. Like, I think Maru dies, and, like, he's a major, like, like character. Like, I don't remember. I don't know. They don't even mention him. Like, he's a comic character, but, like, mm-hmm. if he's a comic character, why would you kill him in a book? And this book was under 350 pages. easily could have added 50 to 100 pages to do this i think that also i mean like i was under the impression that the med bay was up there the entire time if we were getting avar point of view i think that the med bay should have been in the top half and then you would have created that tension between bell and ember bell like worrying if ember is okay and ember would have been fine because avar would have been able to get them off or something well and you could have put Buriaga and Bell up there. They, like, if it was part of it, they could have just stayed up there. Yeah. They didn't really need to be in that lower section. Like, I felt like there was a lot of needlessly killing time and going back and forth as, like, things were happening. And it's like, if you weren't going to add pages to this book, like, that was time you could have been spending, like, more yeah. with certain characters instead of constantly, mm-hmm. like, flipping back and forth. I- I do think that if they didn't want to make this book any longer, they also could have cut out Coley. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That that whole section amounted to nothing. Yeah. I think that he made an interesting enemy to Leops, which I was interested in. Yeah, because right. Leops it actually did play a pretty big role. Yeah, it didn't amount to much. And I do think that if they did not want to push this uh, word count, that they could have cut Coley out easily to do that. I think they they could have not given him a perspective. It could have been entirely through, like, Leox's perspective. Mm-hmm. Have it just be that adversary. I think you could have trimmed down, to be perfectly honest, I think you could have taken Nan out of this book entirely, like Nan and yeah. um, Chansey, because Nan and Affy, it was good to see them, like, meet back up, but it again, it doesn't amount to anything. Nothing really comes of it. Like, there was even a time where I was like, wait, I thought they were fighting. Like, how did she get away? Like, it kind of, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So I think you could have cut that out. I, I don't think you really needed to create more adversaries because the station is already falling like there's already chaos there's the leveler i don't think you necessarily needed to like add more elements because you already have so much there you know i just want to say that even though that elzar was thinking about avar the whole time i don't think that there was any depth to it no like I like he was always thinking about her, but there was no meat to it to those thoughts, and I wanted to see him, you know, reach into himself and think about her in a deep way, or even him thinking of memories or something. It she, felt like shallow. She almost felt like his prize for surviving. Yeah, which was a little bit weird. Like. I was happy that she was obviously alive and they got to reconnect Mm -hmm. at the end. But because we didn't see her side of things and, like, as you said, like, his side was kind of shallow. Like, it just – it didn't hit the way I wanted it to. And I don't feel like I know who Avar is. No. Which you're not going to – you're not going to get from any of the books. Yeah, from the comics. You're not going to get it from the comics because you Mm -hmm. don't get that interior perspective from her. 
Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, the, like, the, just the past issue and, like, the next one that's about to come out, it's, like, finally more about mm-hmm. Avar and, like, less about Keeve. And yeah. really all we're getting is just, like, that frustration of her feeling like yeah. she's just not part of the fight. Like, she wants to be doing more. I do feel like I know Avar through Elzar's point of view, which you you said it perfectly. Like, he kind of almost sees her as this prize for surviving. So I really don't feel like I know her. Yeah. So let's talk about Stalin. Because Stalin comes in and he takes Avar's position. Like, he's he in charge is. now. Overwhelmed this boy. This so overwhelmed. <laughs> he needs a break. He needed to go on sabbatical after the fair. He should have gone with Elzar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this poor boy, because like not only is he doing this, but like he has been doing so many things. Because we keep seeing him pop up in like he was in the manga. He's in Trail of Shadows. Like he's doing all this stuff, and like it's weighing on him. And he talks about how like the events of the fair and, like, him sobbing and holding, you know, like, Lena So put this spotlight on him that was there, but, like, now it's even brighter. Like, everybody's watching him. Yeah, and one of the most powerful parts of this book is when he is telling Elzar that he doesn't know who he is. God. He's literally like, I don't know who I am like at all and like i think i think it's elzar who tells him like he wouldn't know who he is if he doesn't get the council's approval first this poor man they've just like put him in this box and he has to be this you know perfect jedi yeah he's not allowed to be anything else like he he's not allowed to be any other way and at this point he wouldn't know how to be and he's reflecting on that because like he sees the so we know that Avar sees the force as a song, Elzar sees it as an ocean, and Stellan sees it like constellations and stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. And so like he, Elzar, and Avar to him were always a constellation together, and he gets really sad because he knows that Elzar and Avar are closer than they are like together than they are with him. Mm-hmm. So like they're this constellation, but he feels so separate from them. Yeah, I almost feel like it's not only that, but because Elzar and Avar have, like, let loose, like, given into, like, their lust for each other or, like, you know, like, just, like, attachment tendencies more. Mm-hmm. They have been able to grow up as adults and truly understand who them their selves are, and they haven't had to be under that pressure that Stellan is. And the thing is, Stellan has always tried so hard to be the perfect Jedi, and now he sees that, you know, maybe if I had been a little bit more rebellious, maybe if I had had more fun as a child, I wouldn't be in this situation now, and I wouldn't know who I was. Yeah. I just kept going back to, like... Like, he expresses this, and, like, Elzar says, like, well, you're our pole star. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, like, the North Star, and, like... When he hears that, he hears it as, like, I'm the pole star of the Jedi, and I don't want to be. Yeah. Like, this was, like, put on me. Like, I don't want to be this guiding light of the Jedi anymore. And that's really heavy. Like, that he went... He 
honestly, the fallen star is talking about Starlight Beacon falling, but I think Stellan is the fallen star. Yeah, definitely. Like, because he was the pole star, and he was shining so bright, and it just got too hard, and it, it crushed him. It literally crushed him. A lot of this does come from the fact that he is really suffering under the influence of the leveler. Like, mm-hmm. that that brings all this to the forefront because he's he's dealing with that fear. He's dealing with this loss of, like, connection to the Force, which, if he doesn't know who he is without the Council, without the Jedi, he certainly doesn't know who he is without the Force. Yeah. Like, that's all he is. And so, like, he spent some of this book just, like, literally, like, unable to get up. Yeah, he's just laying down. Like, what a mood. The end of this book, like, he literally stays behind and, like, sacrifices himself to save everybody. Because, like, this station is crashing into a planet and he makes it so that it crashes into the water and it's not going to hurt anybody. And they do say that they don't sense him in the Force. But here's... Okay. I don't think he's dead because the leveler, like, those things were still on there. So he's, like, not in the Force. Like, he wasn't anyway because of those things. But, like, the person who confirms that he's gone is the droid. Well, the droid said that there wouldn't have been a way for him to survive. Like, like I left him there. There was no way for him to get out. Like, mm-hmm. so he definitely, like, crashed with the ship. I just think he survived the crash because they couldn't sense him in the Force. And so they're like, oh, so he must be one with the Force now. I don't sense him anymore. And I'm like... He was with those levelers so many times. Like, it's like you said at the beginning, like, he might have completely lost his connection being with them so long. Yeah. And I, for me, it just comes down to the fact that, like, we didn't get to spend, like, those final moments with him. Because normally with a big, like, main character like this and they die, like, you are with them that final chapter. Yeah, you would, you would definitely want to know the last, his last thoughts. Like, what was he thinking about as he was dying? Yeah. You're right. And yeah. I just, like, that's kind of why I could see, like, if we went away, like, we we moved away from this stuff, we were, like, we did some stuff in the past, and then we come back, and, like, maybe it's, like, time has passed, and, like, maybe Elzar is, like, you know, a wayfinder and all of this. Like, what if he came across Stellan, and Stellan has just, like, run away from it all, and he's, like... Do you think Stellan knows who he is now? No. And I could see Stellan, like, if he survived... He wouldn't go back because he wouldn't know how to, especially if he'd lost his ability in the force. He That's wouldn't so be able sad. to. I know. And like, I just, I like that so much better than just like, oh, Stellan died, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I hope that they pull that. I don't know if they will, but like... That's what yeah, I'm I don't know for. if they will either because I had so many predictions for where this this book was going to go and they didn't go there. So no. I don't know where they're going. I don't no either. Idea. I I think what irritates me about it is that like there's a character that's like more likely to believe that like somebody else is alive even though they're obviously probably gone and yet nobody in the book is wanting to believe that Stellan lived. Like where's that energy to fight for Stellan? You know. So I just feel like. There's got to be something there. And I, I will be pretty disappointed if it just amounts to, like, nothing. Because I feel like there's, like, more that they could do. Because he just... 
that's such a sad ending for him. There's like no hope for Stalin at all if this is his ending. And that's just kind of depressing. But I trust publishing. I know. And that's why I'm like, they gotta be doing something. Where's my hope, publishing? I need my serotonin. Should we men- I guess we should mention Burry and Belle. Since I kind yeah, of- that's what I was thinking. So Belle has been through a lot. Lost his master, Bowden, to the leveler. Then Indira barely survives her encounter with the leveler. So he's, you know, she's like on her deathbed, like, they're, the med droids are saying, like, you know, like, her... She's not doing so hot. Hopefully she improves, but she's not doing so good. So Belle is worried. Um, eventually he has to leave with Burry to go back to the, the like, bottom of the ship. I, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Okay, so through some different things that happen, Burry loses his master to the leveler also. And so now these two have this like shared experience losing their master, the leveler, and Burry does not want to leave his master's side. And Belle is now on the other side of his situation and is telling Burry, like, you know, your master would have wanted you to leave and like um, go help everyone else. And he reflects on that, and he, he, it's, a, it's a nice moment where he reflects on, like, finally being on that other side of the situation. And then Stalin and Burry at one point are fighting the Raptors. Oh, no, it, it's uh, Elzar and Burry. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking Elzar. I don't know That's why okay. I say yeah. Stalin. Okay. Elzar and Burry are fighting the Raptors, and they are, like, losing. Like, Burry is, like, losing. I thought Burry was going to, like, die right there and then. Um, but then Burry ends up saying, you know, Elzar, you have to go ahead. Like, I will hold off the Raptors. You need to go save the station. And that's the last we see of Burry. Okay, so here's the thing. Because we do have a friend who believes that Burry is alive. So, like, they're trying... So they can't get the doors open to let out all these refugees. So they're trying to get them out through the cargo bay. They're, like, opening all these walls in the ship... And mm-hmm. in order to get them out through the cargo bay, they have to get rid of all these Rathtars that are in there now and open the doors. And it was my understanding that Burry, along with the Rathtars, got sucked out into space. Is that not what happened? Hmm. But, like, how high were they? Uh, well, I mean, even, they if you got, at- even if you were in the atmosphere, that's a long way down. <laughs> I know, I just was thinking, because from my point of view, is if they got sucked down while they were still, like, over the atmosphere, like, would he be able to breathe? I don't know, I don't remember the timing of this happening, but, like, and Leox, so, like, I'll just mention Leox really quickly. Mm -hmm. Leox had a fake-out death, too, where he got sucked out, but he ended up having a parachute. Yes. Yeah, like an old-school parachute. Buryaga could have survived... He could have, you know, used the Raptor as a flotation device over the ocean or something. <laughs> my my issue here is that we've kind of, like they've kind of like backed themselves into a corner because Bell, yeah, Bell like <laughs> gave up on Loden because he couldn't sense him in the Force, right? And eventually he finds out that Loden was still alive and he was suffering, and mm-hmm. like he probably couldn't have helped him, but like he was still like I could have 
done something, you know? Yeah. So with Buryaga, he's determined not to give up on him. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, like, if he's not dead, then, like, Belle will have been right to continue to search for him. But if that's the case, nobody's doing that for Stellan. Everybody's just like, yeah, Stellan's dead. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of like... <laughs> You're right. Like, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> like, And it, it kind of confused me because I was like... So, like, we're at the end. We're at the finale of phase one. And... Bell still hasn't learned his lesson. Right. Like, he is just, like, in the same cycle. Yes. Again. And I'm under the belief that Bury is dead. Um, because I think the chan- the chances of him coming in contact with the leveler were slim. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way that, you know, he wouldn't have a forced presence. Right. So, like, if he really is dead and Bell is, like, determined to find him, like... He might just find his body, which at least will give him some closure. It's just, it's a strange situation. Yeah, I kind of wish that in this book they had given Belle an arc where he he learned to let go and finally learned that he did all that he could have done with Loden and that he can't blame himself for that. But now he's yeah. in the cycle again. Because I think I he still blames himself. And I think with Buryaga, like, it's still going to be like, I shouldn't have left him, you know? Yeah. Because, like, if they hadn't have gotten separated, you know, maybe they could have helped. And like, well, but, like, I think he he's getting there. But with the way the book was structured, it's like he didn't fully get there. So we mentioned Leox. We get the return of our vessel crew. Which is really fun. I did like seeing them again. They hadn't been in, a, in an adult novel. We haven't seen, like, Leox, Geode, and Affy since Into the Dark. Obviously, we've seen Wreath and Nan since then. Uh, I did like reconnecting with them. Geode is really fun. I love Geode in this book. He has, like, he so many so fun much. moments. He, I know. He did so much in this book. He literally, like, saved Affy from being shot. Yeah. Like. <laughs> no, like, one of my favorite parts is when he literally takes a bullet. So, like, Coley is, like, so, like, up in arms about this whole situation that he fires a pistol at, like, the doors. But the doors are magnetic, so it doesn't do anything except for slingshot this bullet around the room. Just hitting all the walls. And then Geo just takes the bullet. And we find out that Geo's composition allows him to magnetize and demagnetize. Yeah. Which means that he can absorb a bullet or he can also ricochet them. And that's how later, because Coley tries to shoot at Affy and Leo and um Geode gets in the way and Geode's like, well, I'm just going to let it ricochet and it bounces back and kills Coley. Yeah, I, I love it. That was I amazing. I loved it. <laughs> I, my favorite thing is when one of the other pilots gets mad because he thinks that his wife is going to sleep around with Geode. <laughs> And they're just like, no, Geo, like, that's just Geo's personality. Like, he's not interested. Yeah, no, he's Geo's just a flirt. Just, he's, he's just, just so a, flirty. He's like a harmless flirt, but he's definitely not interested. It's like, yeah, yeah, he would never sleep with another species. Like, that's not going to happen. I was like, oh, my God. The comedy that comes with Geo is just, like, so built in and ingenious. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, love the idea of, like, never seeing him move. But he just, but, but he's like, moved, he's just like, around. You just, like, you're just like, oh, he's there now, but you never actually see him move. 
That was kind of the funny thing with Coley because Coley like hates Geode. He's yeah. like this stupid rock. And so like whenever like Geode would move, he'd be like, ah <laughs> like yeah. how did you get here? I love Geode. <laughs> I also love that like any character who interacts with Geode, it's always like his understanding silence or Geode was too stunned to speak. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just like makes sense. It's just like that's a rock. Like Geode was the star of this book, I'm not gonna lie. Listen, like honestly, I would love a book that's just Affy, Leox, and Geode. Like yeah. nobody else. Yes. <laughs> it's just so funny. I liked seeing Affy again. Like Affy's a fun character. I do wish that her confrontation with Nan had been a little bit more meaningful. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really hit the way I wanted it to hit. Well, Nan kept calling her Addie. I know, like, and that also, like, that was funny the first time. And then it wasn't funny anymore. Because it kept making it be like, okay, I get it. Like, she doesn't remember her. Like, this showdown has no meaning anymore. Like. Yeah. And, like, they didn't mention, like, Wreath at all, really, like. You know, holding out for well, that Reef is gonna be Reef is gonna be in the YA book, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, I I don't really know anything about the YA book. Like, I'm guessing it happens after this. Yeah. Um. So we should get some closure, hopefully. Um. And I I I do wonder if he'll somehow meet back up with Nan or with Affy and hear things like because for a while they assumed that Chansey and Nan were responsible because they had been taken prisoner. Mm -hmm. And Nan reveals that, like, they're not with the Nile. Like, they haven't been. Yeah, like, they had left months ago. Yeah. Well, because that has to do with what happened in Out of the Shadows. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of expecting to see more of that. And instead we don't because Chansey spends the whole book just wishing that Nan was Sylvestri. And then she dies. It's really weird. It's really weird. It's and I'm really like, strange. And she, like, she keeps saying, like, oh, she reminds me so much of my daughter. I wish that, like, this is my, this is my second chance at a daughter. Like, she's like, I can, I can mold Nan better than I can mold Sylvester. Like, I can really, like, mother this kid. Which like, okay. I think would have been an interesting way to go, especially, like, for Nan's character. But not when all of this stuff is also happening. Because as Mm -hmm. it was, it just felt like, oh, they've been working together for months, but they're not a team. Yeah. And, like, we don't really know what they've been doing. And then, obviously, nothing's going to come from it. I also never got the same impression from Nan's point of view. Like, I always just, like, was like, oh, like, Chansey's just this other person. Yeah. Like, it, it just never really felt like anything. And... Ultimately, like, Chansey died for Elzar. That scene was crazy. I, like, I read it, like, you were already asleep because I messaged you right when it happened. And, like, I wanted more consequences from that scene. Yeah. Because, like, obviously, like, Elzar felt bad because she was actually trying to fix things. And, like, oh, I just, like, killed her immediately because she was Nile. But, like, it it didn't mean anything for Chansey or Nan. It only meant things for Elzar. And I'm like, okay, so you just, like, reduced the villain of this other book to fodder for somebody else's, like, character development that had, like, never interacted with her. Like, it was really strange. I feel like they could have done that, like, very differently, and it just, it didn't hit and right. And I wanted, I even, like, and even though it was 
for Elzar's character, I don't think that there was enough there. Like, I wanted more from Elzar's point of view when it happened. Which, again, like, if you had just added a couple more pages... I wanted him to be more devastated that he made that mistake. And I, he really I wasn't. Know. Like, because he, he was, because... It wasn't long enough. I think it was very, like, short-lived. Is ultimately, what like, is. him killing Chansey results in Elzar, quote-unquote, or not Elzar, Stellan, quote-unquote, dying. Yeah, which again, like, Elzar's responsible. Yeah, like, again, though, like, that doesn't mean that you're upset that you killed Chansey, who, like, was an important character. It means that you're upset that, like, Elzar died. Or that Stellan died. Now I'm mixing them up. It felt like... I I thought they were gonna do something different with her character, and ultimately she just didn't go anywhere. It was just really strange. But Nan still escapes. I don't really know what Nan is doing, or what's going on with her. Every time she shows up, I'm like, what? Maybe she'll show up in the YA book. I just need more from her. Like, she seems... She's still very loyal to the Nile for some reason. Even though in Out of the Shadows, I got the impression that she was seeing that, like, the Nile was never really going to, like, love her the way she loves it. So I thought that was kind of strange that they made that flip. And then we mentioned Leox and his fake-out death. Yeah. So, like, um, there was this through line of Affy being very attached to the vessel to her ship. Um, to a point where she's going to sacrifice herself and go down with the ship. And obviously, Leox and Geo don't want that to happen. So Leox gets a plan to be able to save the vessel. But this plan involves him having to blow up a wall, blow up the door, let the vessel out of, of Starlight Beacon, basically. But while Leox is trying to get the doors open, he just, like falls into the air basically like he just gets sucked off i don't know why i had like a feeling the entire book that leox was gonna die i I just had this gut feeling but then and it happened and i was like oh my god and then it was a fake out thank god i was like so upset because i'm like are you kidding me they just gave leox so much time and then they murdered Mm -hmm. him and like thinking about it now and especially like you said like it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have been like so unexpected like if he had died but, like, I, I was really happy that they it was, like, a fake oh, out and that he yeah, lived. Same. But, like, that also gets to, okay, so Buriaga, Stellan, are mm-hmm. they really dead? Is one of them a fake out? Are they both fake outs? Yeah. Like, it, it makes well, these questions. With Leox, I think, for me, the relationship there was very, like, Obi-Wan Luke in A New Hope. Yeah. Like, in in the sense where one of them was, like, the mentor, and one of them was sacrificing themselves for, I guess, like, the development of the other person, um, so they could live a life and, like, move on. Right. Um, But I'm very happy it was was a fake out. Yeah. I think that's the vibe I was getting. I think that was the vibe I was getting. I was like, it's gonna be, like, an Obi-Wan ending. Yeah. Which I... I could have seen happening, but, like, I, like you said, like, I'm so happy that he's not dead. Like, he's such a fun character. The whole Vessel crew is just, like, really fun. Mm-hmm. You can tell that Claudia enjoys writing them. Oh, yeah, the most. Yeah. I think the most. <laughs> no, Leox literally says, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it, like, <laughs> she said he's, like, Matthew McConaughey, and then she snuck that line in. Like, that is so funny to me. Like, I loved that. Okay, so I think we're ready to move into... Our last little 
bit of characters. And yeah. that is everybody on the Gaze Electric. Yeah, I was going to say we could perfectly slide into the Gaze Electric going from Nan. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nan now thinks that Mar- Martian will take her back. Yeah. Do you think that'll happen? No. I think that is so short-sighted of her. Yeah, because this book has this big reveal in it that Martian has decided that he cannot trust sentient beings anymore. And he gets a whole crew, a whole army of droids, illegal droids, like very illegal droids that his assistant Thaya finds for him. And Thaya is the only other like living breathing thing that he trusts. He has gone off the deep end into crazy town. Yeah. Like, fully. Because even, like, he even, like, brings the ship into, like, the place where Starlight is going down because, like, lots of people, like, end up trying Mm -hmm. to help, but they couldn't. And, like, nobody has seen his ship, so he's able to just, like, sneak in there and just, like, watch it crash and then he just, like, pieces out. No one knew it was it was, like, him. Yeah. He just watched. Yeah, he just watched it happen. And, like, he didn't communicate with, like, anybody else in the Nile. He's like, no, they can all just watch it on Hollow, like, everybody else. I have a front row seat because I'm me. I'm excited to get more of his perspective because in the first two books, we actually get to see his perspective. And in this, we see it, like, very little. And what we it do was, see is just... It was, like, my favorite scenes. Yeah. Like, he is... On it, like, we talked about how, like, we think Lorna is, like, more of a villain than Martian. Like, I don't know. I think he has, like, lost his marbles at this point. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, like, this didn't go the way I was expected with him. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, he was gonna fall, like, more softer. Like, as we go on, like, he's gonna be more of a soft boy, you know, like, our Ben Solo. But no, that's not how it's going. He might be more of, like, a mall. Like a Darth Maul. Yeah. Especially like from just that first issue of his comic, which from that first issue, like I totally get why he doesn't trust sentience anymore. Like that totally Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. He seems like he's going to be kind of like a Maul character where like he gets this focus that like literally drives him mad, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to know why he's in this fight and like why, like his motivations and I do like that a lot of, like, a lot of what we see of him was from that assistant, Thaya, because she has such an interesting perspective to, like, bring to it, because she sees, like, what's happening with the Nile and, like, what's going on with these others, and I, I really liked her addition to the story. Yeah, she just seems really content, you know, serving him and having that, like, success and being appreciated by him Mm -hmm. because it's clear that he respects her i think he respects her because she doesn't long for more power like she says like she just wants to be like second she doesn't want to be first i mean it's a smart spot to be in yeah you're you're not as big of a target (laughs) yeah and nan like he is never going to love her yeah. the way she wants. She's never going to get that belonging in the Nile that she keeps going back for. Like, it's never going to happen. Well, it's almost like Thaya replaced Nan. Like, Nan is never going to... Like, she lost her chance at that spot. Yeah, because she walked away. 
And Mm -hmm. she's never going to get it back. Never. So I think this does bring us to... So this is something that when I read this, I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) Very confused. So we had kind of known for a while that there was probably a mole within the Republic, like feeding information to the Nile. Yeah. And it is revealed in this book that it is Giara Staros, who is Avon Staros's mother. She's a Republic senator. We've mostly seen her in A Test of Courage. She was in Out of the Shadows. Like, now that I know that she's working with the Nile, like, it kind of makes her behavior in Out of the Shadows make a little bit more sense. But I was still like, whoa, since when? (laughs) (laughs) She, so yeah, she, oh my gosh. Her and Margie have an agreement. They sure do. They have an appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so he even has her set up in this whole like suite on his ship. But her suite is not too close to his because then she'll get annoying. I have like so many questions for this woman about like why she's working with him, how this happened. What do you mean? Have you seen him? No, I know, but, like, she seems so, like, reluctant at this point. Like, it, she almost seems to, like, be getting that, like, what she's doing is wrong. At one point, she does say that no matter what side of the Republic ends up winning, she will have a spot on that side. Like, she is under the impression that she can flip-flop now, and either side that falls, like, she'll be in power still. True. Very, very Palpatine of her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's going to go her way. She's not as smart as Palpatine. No. Well, and she still has Avon. And so that's why, like, when I went back and I, I read Mission to Disaster, because Mission to Disaster is about Avon, and she gets captured by the Nile. Mm-hmm. By the Nile. Like, that is what that book is about. And I'm like, okay, is there going to be, like, a reveal with her mother? And there is a little bit at the end, but not enough for me to be like, oh, okay, like, this is how this happened. It's just enough where Avon's like, hey, I think there's something up with dear old mom here. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like an indicator. I would really love to see more. I mean, I get what Giara is getting from Ro. Like, yeah, I understand. She like, I mean, and she likes that power, too. Um, she even, there's this whole page where she questions if Thaya is jealous. Yeah. Like, that was an interesting page where she's like, is she jealous of me that I get to be romantically entangled with this man to a certain extent? Yeah. Um, and she comes to the conclusion that she's not a threat, like, whatsoever. What I got from, like, that chapter and, like, other chapters from her versus, like, Martian and, like, Thaya, I think she definitely doesn't have all the information like they are kind of playing her for a fool and she just doesn't see it yet Mm -hmm. like they're going to rip the rug out from under her like i i honestly wouldn't have been surprised if they had killed her at the end just to be done with her um if that Mm -hmm. didn't happen so i'm guessing there might be like a, a like a reckoning like with avon um, later on maybe listen this adds some interesting details to mr marky mark's character um, which unfortunately is two late night lipstick lightsabers. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but... I, I do want to say before the Jira reveal, I did ship Faya and Margie. I know, you kept bringing it up. And I still kind of do. Yeah. I kind of, like, like that. I think he needs somebody who's going to teach him how to love. I would love that story for him. Like, yeah. he has a lot of generational trauma that has made him mm-hmm. the way that he is. He needs somebody who's going to teach him how to cr- trust. Maybe you can have a Jedi. I, that, that is what I'm, like, looking. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, maybe Dark he captures another Avar. Jedi. Dark side, Dark side Avar. Avar. I mean, listen, Avar is, like, pissed. I could see her trying to go after him now and, like... You know, he has so much cleavage (laughs) in, like, every picture he's in. So, like, the way this book ends, like, Starlight, like, literally is no more. Like, Starlight has fallen. Like, this big symbol of the might of the Republic, of the Jedi, it has fallen. Like, their, like, superstar Jedi, Stellan, has fallen. Um, Avar and Elzar are still around. I think their faith has kind of been shaken, like, that kind of leaves us with, you know, like, where do we go from here? Like, I feel like we're in that darker space, kind of similar to how we were with, like, Rising Storm, you know, where it's just, it looks, it's it, the Nile basically win in this book. Mm-hmm. Which we were expecting, I think. Yeah. Darker middle chapter. I just feel weird about us going backwards now. Yeah. We're not going to get the end of this for a while. I'm hoping that the YA book has some kind of... Conclusion. Some, yeah, just something. Closure. Yeah, I, I need I need something. And, like, the cover to me says that it is going to be, like, a little bit moodier, like, a little bit angstier. Because um, it's Daniel Jose older, so, like, I was expecting it to be more, like, fun. He does, like, he does some pretty good, like, comedic stuff. Yeah. With, like... You know, like, Lando and Han. He does, um, like, like, you know, like, the horror, like, the monster horror, though. Because we do see mm-hmm. that a little bit in his solo book. We do see it a little bit in some of his other stuff. So, I'm interested. I'm a little bit worried because I haven't read any of the adventure comics. And I did hear that, like, the adventure characters kind of play a part. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Wreath again. I'm excited to see Comac again. I still have so many questions, especially going into, like, do we even know when, like, the next phase is supposed to start? Isn't it around Celebration? That would make sense. I I I figured they would follow, like, the same schedule that they did this past year. Like, Like, it would start in the summer. Yeah. They do have a lot of other books starting around then. Like, all of the Obi-Wan stuff is going to come out around then. Oh, wait. This Nerdist article that I had opened October. October. Yeah. So they are going to get through the regular publishing stuff before they go back into higher public. Yeah. Hmm. Well, at least we'll have those books to tide us over. Like the Obi-Wan book? Yeah, there's two, two Obi-Wan books. Uh, there's a book about Ochi of Bestoon, which I could not care less about. <laughs> um, Queen's whatever will be coming out. Peril? No, we already got Peril. Is it Hope? Really? I think it's Hope. Queen's, Queen's Hope. Oh, she, and she wanted to call it Queen's Gambit, but couldn't. I'm getting so many bad vibes from this book. <laughs> like, keeps getting pushed back. It yeah. keeps getting pushed back. 
Yeah, we have, so Midnight Horizon is February 1st. Um, We probably won't get to it right when it comes out, because we'll be talking probably more Book of Boba Fett, um, but we both will be reading that. Queen's Hope is April 5th. Uh, Brotherhood is May 5th. Stories of Jedi and Sith is June 7th. Shadow of the Sith, which, whatever, June 28th, and Padawan, July 26th, and then we don't have anything, I guess, until October. So that's probably two months, probably more realistically three months. It'll probably come out, like, the end of October. I still am way happier with publishing right now than I am with anything else. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I I trust Justina. I trust Cav. Or Cav. Yeah. Is there anything else about The Fallen Star? I don't think so. I enjoyed reading it, even though it was disappointing. Yeah. I would read it again. It wasn't mm-hmm. a, It wasn't a bad uh, read. It's definitely, like, like it has re-readability. Yeah. And maybe with re-reading it, it'll improve, because I'll be honest, the first time I read Master and Apprentice, I was mad on it. And then it and got then better. And then I reread it. That book rereads really well. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder about that with Light of the Jedi, now that we kind of know everybody. You know who, who's who. Yeah, I know who everybody better. is. But, like, I'm, like, afraid to read it because I just remember the first time it was just so Or just, hard. like, audio, audio it. Yeah, instead. I think audio is probably be the way to go. Because it's, like, I know everybody now. Like, I'm going to recognize the names. Like, I know who people look like. Like, surely that has to help. But this book was easier to read, so I could definitely read it again. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode. Um, If you have any thoughts about The Fallen Star, we would love to hear them from you. Um, We are pretty much always on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon, and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.